Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to UFOs and other paranormal stuff. Now of course it's been some time since the last episode was released, I think a couple of months, but I want to give a heartfelt thank you to everybody who has stayed tuned, shared the podcast with friends and family in it and kept listening. The listening figures have gone through the roof. Thank you very much. For this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Barhead incident and sightings, as well as the Calvin UFO, the Berwyn Mountain UFO incident, which is also known as the Welsh Roswell, and what did that have to do with RAF Rudlow Manor? We're also going to be talking about the Churchill Instructions, as well as the Howden Moor UFO incident. All of which, possibly, UK government cover-ups, or authority cover-ups at the very least. Who knows? Let's have a look and see. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, as always, uh, have a look at the Facebook page, UFOs and Other Paranormal Stuff. Have a look at Twitter as well, it's UFOs and OPS, also on Instagram, as well as YouTube as well. So go on those sites, have a little look, comment, do whatever you like. Well, within reason anyway. Also, don't forget to send me an email, UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com, that's all one word, UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. I would love to hear your stories of everything paranormal. Who knows, if you give me permission, I will read them out on the show. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you do like the podcast, how about sending a donation, which would be greatly appreciated, very much greatly appreciated. Every donation will obviously go towards the show, uh, towards upgrading some of the equipment, or going towards maybe doing some live or... Uh, I don't know, on location episodes. You never know. You never know what the future holds. I've got some plans in mind, though. So to do that, just go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. Like I said, every donation, every penny will be greatly appreciated. Now, ladies and gentlemen, on to the first segment of today's show, the Barhead Incidents and Sightings. Barhead is a lovely small town in East Renfrewshire in Scotland, around about eight miles west, southwest of Glasgow city centre. Now, last month I received an email from a gentleman from Barhead who goes by the name of Boris, and the email goes like this. Hi Andy, my name is Boris, and I'm writing to you with a true story from Scotland, namely Barhead, a town near Glasgow, Scotland's biggest city. It is an open secret among the residents of Orkenback, hope I pronounced that correctly by the way, who remember, a district of Barhead, that several sightings were reported in 2004 and never investigated or followed up. The dammed area of Barhead is home to a large moor and several craft were spotted hovering here that summer. They were said to be of a shining star-shaped object that hovered over the dams, emitting a choking fog. The crest of the local high school, Barhead High School, contains a similar-looking object, 
for Ofsted inspectors have thus far been unable or unwilling to substantiate a link. Suspicious. Around the same time, sightings of a large black panther were reported. It was said to be the size of an Alsatian, but closer to the ground with a metre-long tail. Several news articles have reported this beast, but none seem to be interested in the truth. Boris provides some links here, which we will have a look at a little bit later on after I read this email. He continues, Local businesses have also provided reports of disruption to their trade. A potato farm where all the potatoes were plucked and went missing overnight vanished and a local tyre fitter whose knees were suddenly struck down with a debilitating condition. This happened after he witnessed a bright flash and feeling like being sucked off into the aurora while travelling home from the chip shop one night. Even more disturbing than that, the email continues, all the locals here know about the young schoolboys whose downstairs areas were mauled by the beast that summer. There were at least three boys whose loins were savaged. One survived and became a local celebrity until sadly he took his own life after moving to Belfast and becoming involved in a paramilitary organisation in 2010. The local parish priest was involved in counselling the boy, but unfortunately he was unable to keep on trucking, as it were. Clearly the idea that a tropical cat could be on the loose in Scotland is absurd, and I have led my own research into the tragedy, but have hit a dead end. I would like to bring the story to a wider attention now, and I think your excellent podcast would be a good way to do that. The two links that Boris has provided, uh, let's have a look at the first one from the Herald newspaper. The first one dated 1st of April 2005. Yes, I know, April Fool's Day, so keep an open mind. The headline reads, Countryside staff warned as Big Cat is sighted in Glasgow. Two reports of two reports of Black Panthers on Lynn Park golf course. Countryside rangers have been warned to be on the alert after big cat sightings in a park in Scotland's largest city. Two separate reports of a panther-type animal were logged over 48 hours by Glasgow City Council officials for the municipal golf course at Lynn Park, which borders Muir End, Croftfoot and Castle Milk. The first sighting was last Thursday and the other on Saturday. Since then, a motorist has told the police a big black cat walked out in front of his car in Barhead early on Tuesday morning. Officers described the man as a credible witness but found no trace of the animal, said to be the size of an Alsatian but closer to the ground with a metre-long tail. Last year there were dozens of large cat sightings in Renfrewshire and the theory now is one beast has crossed into Glasgow's south side. Lynn Park covers some 203 acres, contains deer and rabbits, has woodland and river walks, an 18-hole golf course, equestrian centre and children's playgrounds. Dennis O'Donnell, the area manager, confirmed yesterday that staff have been told to be on alert, especially when out alone early in the morning to place flags on greens. He said of the prospect of a castle milk panther, 
Two members of the public came up with the same unusual story at different times. It would be wrong not to take their reports seriously. Staff have been advised to be on the lookout for their own safety and in the hope they could corroborate sightings. One golfer was said to have seen a big cat, a big black panther, close to a rubbish bin near the Parkland course 10th hole, but initially chose to remain silent in case of ridicule. Understand that? The second link that Boris sent to me was from Glasgow Live. The headline there reads, Glasgow's most bizarre big cat sightings as locals report being terrified of attacks. This article, by the way, was written in 25th of August 2021, 16 years after the one that I've just read to you. The article goes, Black Panthers are primarily found in the mountains of North and South America, so seeing one in Glasgow is not something that you would expect at all, especially in a city. There has been a number of reports of big cats in the city over the last decade, which include wild cats, lynx and other non-domestic animals roaming our city and other areas in Scotland such as Aberdeen and the Highlands. According to Britannica, before the most recent verified observation of a black leopard, another name for black panthers, took place in Kenya in 2019, it had been 110 years since it had been photographed and thus confirmed in Africa. A number of reports on this link. Uh, one is from Carmyle New Park. A member of the public reported repeated encounters with a growling black puma at a park near Carmyle located in the east end of Glasgow. As well as identifying where they saw the puma, they also snapped photos of paw prints over a period of months. The woman who has since asked for anonymity contacted Puma Watch about sightings one of which occurred on the 2nd of May 2021. She said we were walking through the park at Carmyle and went over the bridge to watch the deers. The puma jumped over my son's head and onto a tree. I couldn't get a picture in time. I always see its footprints about in the park and you hear it growl. I think it's unsafe to go to the park. It might attack one day. One report from Lark Hall says, A 10-second clip recorded by a woman who wishes to remain anonymous captured what appears to be a large cat on top of a garden fence at their home in Lark Hall. She explained it was around 3.55am on Saturday morning and was recorded on the camera on the doorbell. I phoned the police and they told me to contact the SSPCA who told me to contact Big Cat Sightings, and they have phoned me back and said that it was a big cat and adult puma. Commenting on the story above, another member of the public, who will remain anonymous, commented on the Carmyle story on the Puma Watch website. On 21st of July this year, she wrote, I saw a big cat, puma-sized, in East Hall last month. Thought it was I was seeing things, it was about three in the morning and it was coming out of the park at East Hall. Didn't think anyone would believe me. So there's some articles printed by newspapers and put into the newspaper's website. So they did come out into the public. You can have a look if you wish. A second email received from Boris. 
says, I'm pleased to bring these reports to a wider audience as I expressed they have been massively covered up by Strathclyde Police and other agencies over the years. As a listener of the podcast, I would be most pleased if you could take this to the wider audience in the hope of shedding more light on them and hopefully bringing the truth to the public. There are a dedicated couple of amateur investigators here in Barhead who would usually meet at but have been unable to during the COVID, and I feel this has stalled progress. My German colleague there, in particular, was struck down with the virus and has struggled to maintain momentum on his research. I look forward to hearing about the incidents on the podcast and hope this will draw more attention to a very intriguing case. Boris goes on to say, as members of the investigation community here myself, Boris, Big Dirty and The Savage have agreed that we are happy to be mentioned on the podcast by our community nicknames. Another email sent to me from Boris reads, Interestingly enough, Big Dirty has highlighted to me this article in our local newspaper, Barhead News, which mentions UFO sightings and a direct quote from the RAF. However, no mention of the incidents here. It seems particularly galling that this would not be mentioned and to me just proves that a cover-up is still in operation to this day. I've got to say, Boris, I completely agree with you on that. Cover-ups are virtually everywhere, it seems. The newspaper article reads like this and it was dated 26th of January 2020. The headline reads, Last UFO sightings reported to the RAF to be published online. Claimed UFO sightings received by now defunct units within the RAF are to be published online. The RAF took the decision to wind up its UFO unit in 2009 after concluding that in more than 50 years, no received report had ever disclosed any evidence of a potential threat. Previously, records from the unit were given to the National Archives, often initially classified before being released. after a specific number of years. But the most recent reports received by the RAF will be placed online, the PA News Agency can disclose, following the Freedom of Information Act. An RAF spokesman has said that MOD has no opinion on the existence or otherwise of extraterrestrial life and does not investigate UFO reports. Such a shame. Members of the public reporting alleged UFO sightings are now directed to their local police force. A spokesman for the RAF said it has been assessed that it would now be better to publish these records rather than continue sending documents to the National Archives so they are looking to put them on a dedicated gov.uk webpage. A clearance process for documents is currently underway before publication, which is expected to take place sometime within the first quarter of 2020. In response to the FOI request, the RAF described its files it held as compromising entirely of correspondence with members of the public. Does that mean it does have files somewhere that is not from members of the public? Maybe, I would expect so. 
It added the MOD has no opinion on the existence or otherwise of extraterrestrial life and does not investigate UFO reports. Nick Pope, who used to investigate UFO reports for the MOD, has welcomed the move. Given the massive public interest in this subject, I'm pleased that these files will be released and made available online, he said. The MOD has previously claimed that all files have been released only to find additional ones, so this latest move is bound to start a few conspiracy theories. When I worked on the Ministry of Defence's UFO desk, we didn't find any definitive proof of extraterrestrial visitation, but there were so many bizarre and unexplained sightings that we didn't entirely rule it out. I'm glad that the public are to be given further insights into our work on these real-life X-Files. Further to that, an article in the Daily Record, one of Scotland's biggest newspapers, UFOs spotted over Barhead. Those spooky unidentified flying objects are at it again, this time in Barhead. The Paisley Daily Express has already revealed how eagle-eyed believers have reported two separate UFO sightings, one in Eldersley and the other in Renfrew. Now, everybody's favourite newspaper can reveal that a report has been posted on a top UFO spotting website detailing a sighting in Barhead. The shocked eyewitness told the UK UFO website, When I was out in the garden, I could see two luminous blue objects from a distance. They flew overhead silently at speed. As they flew above me, I could see the bottom of the UFO, which looked like it was in segments, and they were very bright blue in colour. As they passed, the nearest UFO was a luminous red colour, as if it had changed its colour. They were both too fast and too silent to be planes or helicopters. The sighting is only one on this website from the Paisley area. Previous sightings in Eldersley and Renfrew were posted on the Canada-based HBCC UFO research website. In Eldersley, a couple saw two strange objects flying high in the sky near Glasgow Airport. One of the believers told the website, We saw the strange objects quite far apart outside the front of my home and went to the back of the house to watch them. They were about a mile from Glasgow Airport and we were able to observe planes arriving, taking off from the airport at the same time, but these two objects were much higher and moving quite slowly. They did not have landing lights on them, just an orange glow. And in Renfrew, two UFOs were spotted close to the town's police station. A man who reported a sighting said, At first, I thought there were two helicopters, but there was no noise, and they emitted a bright, almost off-white light. They didn't move, and when the bus came, I kept looking at them. The bus travelled on for four miles, and they stayed in the same place. The height must have been about 200 feet, and as it was clear, cold night, the stars were visible, but these lights were an awful lot closer to the ground. UFO expert Brian Vike is urging buddies to be on the alert amid suggestions that aliens could be keeping an eye on Paisley and the neighbouring towns and villages. Brian, who is the director of HBCC UFO Research Organisation, told The Express 
that sightings of unidentified flying objects are becoming more common in Renfrewshire, and he believes, like Fox Mulder, the truth is out there. Brian said, there are still many people who do not have the use of a computer to search for UFO investigator. A lot of times people will see something odd and keep it to themselves, or maybe talk about it with their families and we miss a valuable information. So there you go, people. What do you think about that? Are cover-ups occurring in Scotland, well as the rest of the UK, as well as the rest of the world? Or are they not? You decide. I'd like to thank Boris for sending me the emails. Thank you very much. Don't forget you can send emails on anything you like, paranormal or UFO related, to UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. I look forward to receiving them and reading every single one of them. I would like to bring your attention to the 1990 Calvin UFO incident. This was a UFO that was spotted over Scotland, over a place called Calvin, which is in Pitlochry, right sort of in the centre of Scotland, just on the southwest tip of the Cairngorms National Park. Beautiful place, and if you've been there, you would agree with me. If you haven't been there, go there, because it's definitely worth it. The mountains, well, the mountains in Scotland are just absolutely spectacular. Now, the Calvin UFO sighting, not an incident as such, but a sighting, was, as Wikipedia puts it, on the 4th of August 1990 at 9pm, 9 a 75-foot wide diamond object was seen by the pilot of an RAF Harrier at Calvin, 20 miles north of Pitlochry in Perth and Kinross. It appeared to hover for about 10 minutes above the A9 road near Calvin. I'd imagine that investigations went into that, although I'm not sure, because a newspaper report in on the 10th of October 2020, almost exactly a year ago, from the Scottish Sun, goes on to say this. The headline goes, Alien Mystery, Government Bans Release of Secret UFO Dossier About Calvin for 50 Years. UFO experts hit out when it emerged a dossier into Britain's most significant sighting is to be kept secret for another 50 years. The file is said to contain astonishing colour photographs of a 100-foot craft hovering over the village of Calvin in the Scottish Highlands in 1990. A 30-year rule meant it was due to be declassified on January the 1st, but the Ministry of Defence has now blocked release until 2072 without explanation. Photographs were taken by two Perthshire hikers who watched the diamond-shaped metallic craft for 10 minutes before it shot up vertically out of sight. They also claimed to see military jets fly a series of low-level passes. Evidence collected and held onto by officials included the hikers' six colour photographs. Now remember, of course, photographs were put onto film in those days, not onto the internet or mobile cameras or whatever that we have nowadays. The article continues... A redacted version of the file has been released, including just a blurred photocopied image. UFO investigator Nick Pope, who else, 
helped colorize the image seen above. You can find the image if you just Google search Kelvin UFO. Last night, Mr. Pope said, Despite an extensive investigation, we never found a definitive explanation for what was seen at Kelvin. A UFO hunter added, This is also frustrating. The Kelvin incident is one of the most intriguing of all the UFO mysteries from that period. Under the 30-year rule, the file should have been released on January the 1st, 2021. But if the ministry get their way, it won't be released until January the 1st, 2072. An 82-year closure. By the time the world gets to see the file, the two witnesses will be dead. It is crazy. What are the authorities trying to hide? The redacted file also omitted the names and contact details of the hikers, understandably so. Those who believe the truth is out there slogan of the TV show The X-Files, which is always brought up whenever a newspaper does anything about UFOs, are furious. Without access to those who reported the sightings, it remains impossible to get the full story. A complaint lodged under the Freedom of Information Act about the National Archives withholding the documents is now under investigation by the UK Information Watchdog, the Information Commissioner's Office. The National Archives refused to comment further. The Ministry of Defence refused to comment at all. I'm going to now read out the article on the website for the National Archives. It's the 1990 Kelvin UFO incident. If you wish to search it, publication date of this file was February 2021. Request. In October, the Scottish Sun reported that the MOD files relating to the August 1990 Kelvin UFO incident, which should have been released as per the 30-year rule, were blocked for release by the Ministry of Defence until 2072. Question 1. Did the Ministry of Defence transfer this dossier to the National Archive? Their answer. We understand this query relate to file DEFE 24-1940, a record which was transferred to us from the originating department, the Ministry of Defence. Question 2. Was it just a dossier or were supplementary materials added, e.g. the six colour photographs? Answer. As noted on our catalogue, the full contents of that file are closed until 1st of January 2076. A redacted version of the file is open and available to download from our catalogue here, and it gives a link. There are three folios within this file that relate to the incident in question. There are no photographs contained in this file. The file itself states that the original negatives were returned to the Scottish Daily Record. So there it's stating that there are no photographs contained in the open file, but that there were negatives, more than likely of the photos, because what else are there negatives of, that were returned to the newspaper. Strange. Question three. Are these files marked as classified or somehow FOIA exempt? If so, what is the specific reason exemption given? The answer. The redactions you will see in the open version 
all cover personal information, names and addresses, of members of the public who wrote to the Ministry of Defence reporting UFO sightings, and also the names of the Ministry of Defence staff who investigated these reports. These details are exempt from release under Section 42 Personal Data of the FOI Act. Further information on Section 40 is provided in the explanatory annex below. Question 4. Is it normal for files to be delayed 50 plus years? Have you, the, the person replying to this request, ever seen this happen? Answer. It is usual for material exempt under section 40, in brackets 2, to be closed for a lifetime of the subject, which is assumed to be 100 years from the subject's date of birth. Closure dates, therefore, are dependent on the age of the individual whose details are given and duration of the closure could well be over 50 years. Question 5. Is the Scottish Sun's claim that you are actively withholding these files accurate? If so, who gave you this right? Answer. As explained above, the only closed information within this file is personal information except under S40 brackets 2 of the FOI Act. The remainder of this file is open and available to download. Well people what are your thoughts on that? Personally I think that they only show you what they want you to see and the fact that they say about negatives being returned proves to me that there are photos there somewhere that they don't want you seeing. However as always, it is completely up to you, me and everybody here, to make up our own minds. Please do tell me what you think about these stories so far. Send me an email, send a comment on the Facebook page, on the, the Twitter site, everything, anywhere, everywhere. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, is an incident that I never knew of. This is the fun of doing research for a show like this, is that you find out things. The incident in question took place over the Berwyn Mountain Range in Wales. Berwyn Mountain Range is an isolated, sparsely populated area of moorland in northeast Wales, roughly bounded by Langothlan in the northeast, Corwen in the northwest, and Bala in the southwest, and Oswestry in the southeast. Looking at the pictures, it looks like a beautiful part of the country. On the 23rd of January 1974, on the Berwyn Mountains in Flandrillo, hope I said that right, in Merionethshire, Wales, lights and noises were observed that were alleged to be related to a UFO sighting on Cadea Berwyn and Cadea Bronwen. Like I said, I hope I pronounced all those names and words correctly. Scientific evidence indicated that the event was generated by an earthquake, combined with sightings of a bright meteor, widely observed over Wales and northern England at the time. Residents of the Berwyn Mountains area in northern Wales reported a loud noise and a bright light in the sky. When ufologists claimed that a UFO had crashed and that the British government covered up the military's a recovery of a crashed spaceship, some tabloid newspapers jokingly labelled it, labelled it the Roswellsh incident. Some scientific evidence indicates the event was generated by an earthquake, 
combined with sightings of a bright meteor widely observed over Wales and northern England at the time. It seems strange that there was an earthquake, which couldn't be felt but only heard, and it was at the exact same time that a meteor was passing by. Hmm, interesting. Conveniently, declassified military, Ministry of Defence documents also suggest that the incident was caused by the combined effects of an earthquake and a meteor. It has been speculated by many, as well as in one episode of Ancient Aliens, that a UFO crashed at Berwyn and its wreckage was likely taken to Rudlow Manor. RAF Rudlow Manor has for some time now been known as the UK's Area 51. The article continues, It was not immediately identified as an earthquake, hence the police investigation. However, the magnitude of the shock was such that if it had been due to an aircraft crash, the resulting crater would have been large enough to be easily visible. The unusual lights reported may have been simply the meteor, but may also have included the phenomenon known as earthquake light. That, ladies and gentlemen, is rather odd because a BBC article titled Files Released on 1974 Welsh Roswell, written on the 5th of August 2010, says that there was no impact. It says the fireball, or the light, descended from about 120 kilometres in the sky to about 35 kilometres before disappearing or disintegrating over Manchester. So far, we have an earthquake that people could only hear and not feel, and a light that descended and suddenly couldn't be seen. Yet the Ministry of Defence apparently are telling us that there was an earthquake and there was a meteor at the same time. Maybe they're right. Who knows? Maybe they're not right. Maybe they're covering up, which, I don't know, make your minds up, ladies and gentlemen. An article in the Wales Online newspaper and website reads, New claims made about what really happened in notorious 1974 Welsh UFO crash landing mystery. Many think alien bodies were removed from the site as part of an official cover-up. It's been called the Welsh Roswell, the article continues. A cold, dark January night in 1974 when the ground shook and bright lights appeared in the sky above the Berwyn Mountains. An incident which has remained surrounded by mystery ever since. Many explanations have been given for what went on in that part of Wales that evening. From meteor shower and earthquake to downed plain or even lamp-wielding poachers on the hillside. But for many, the belief that the UFO crashed high above Bala Lake, its alien inhabitants quickly spirited away in a military cover-up, has proved hard to shake. And, according to North Wales Live, that belief has resurfaced again following fresh appeal for information earlier this year, that's 2018 by the way, by a researcher looking to make a documentary about the phenomenon for American TV. North Yorkshire UFO investigator Russ Kellett, who has been researching the Berwyn Mountains enigma for 25 years, has received further four extraordinary claims by people from in and around the affected villages of Llanterfell and Llantrillo, who say they were either close to the incident or knew officials involved. 
One woman who said she lived very near by told Kellett her dad worked for the Ministry of Defence and on that night she heard an enormous bang, the tremor from which measured 3.5 on the Richter scale and that she and her brother were told to go back to bed. Later in the evening she could hear people talking in the house about making calls and when she looked out of the window she saw something large being loaded onto the back of a truck. Although she did not know what it was, she claimed that there were a lot of soldiers in the area. Years later, her dad told her a Russian ship in the Irish Sea had fired a missile in the wrong direction and hit something which came down and was taken away by the military. Meanwhile, retired nurse Pat Evans, who believed an aircraft had crashed, drove to the site and saw a pulsating orange and red glow on the hillside and other lights. In addition, one ex-military man recalled how he'd been working in a team at one end of the A5 road and claimed something catastrophic had gone wrong with an underground base that was not manned by people of this world. Finally, Kellett's finding also included a pensioner with links to the RAF and NASA who stated that the organisation had been developing a new weapon to bring down unidentified flying objects and it had been used successfully that night. The ex-filer, there we go again, says he is keeping an open mind on the latest extraordinary claims in his continued attempts to try and piece together what happened that night. You have to be careful with any new claims that it may be what people have heard or read being repeated back to you, he said. Sometimes there are people who just like to be involved in an event such as this and want to say they were there. On the other hand, why would these people in their late 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s contact me to give me these stories? The people who contacted me appeared to be genuine. I have been researching this for 25 years and I'm still trying to get to the bottom of what happened that night. So there you have it with that one, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think about that? It does sound a little bit odd to me that you have an earthquake at the exact same time of the meteor passing over. I mean, it is plausible, I suppose, but you know, no damage on the ground. Would that prove there was no earthquake? I don't know. A freedom of information request was put in for more information on this, uh, and I'll read this out to you. Request 4. I wish for any current and updated information into the two following incidents which occurred and were classed as UFO incidents. These are the Berin Mountain crash in Wales, I'm not sure of the exact date. The second one is on the Rendlesham Forest incident in December, January 1980-1981. The response from the Ministry of Defence. I am writing concerning your request for information about UFO incidents in the Berwyn Mountains in Wales and Rendlesham Forest, Suffolk. Your request has been passed to this department because we are the focal point within the Ministry of Defence for correspondence about UFOs. The alleged events at the Berwyn Mountain 
took place on the 24th of January 1974 and the Ministry of Defence UFO records for this period are now open for public viewing at the National Archives in Kew, Richmond, in Surrey, and the postcode is TW94DU. Details of how to access information at the National Archives can be found on their website at www.nationalarchives.gov.uk. A quick look at the Archives catalogue, P-R-O-C-A-T, has revealed two files for this period that might hold relevant information. These are AIR 2-18873, Unidentified Flying Objects 1973-1974, and AIR 2-18874, Unidentified Flying Objects 1974-1975. All of the Ministry of Defence records about the Rendlesham Forest incident have been included in the Ministry of Defence Freedom of Information Public publication scheme and can now be viewed at www.foi.mod.uk. They actually can't because I've clicked on that link and it can't be found. A search under Rendlesham Forest will take you directly to scanned images of these records. I hope this is helpful. Now as I said ladies and gentlemen uh, there were claims that the bodies and the ship, in fact, the UFO uh, that has crash-landed at Berwyn Mountains, or at least I believe it did, but I would, that the bodies and the ship were actually taken to a place known as RAF Rudlow Manor, which is, what, three-and-a-half-hour drive down from Berwyn Mountains to Rudlow Manor. RAF Rudlow Manor, formerly RAF Box, was a Royal Air Force station located northeast of Bath, in England, that's just in the southeast, sort of just below Wales, between the settlements of Box and Corsham in Wiltshire. It was one of several military installations situated in the area and covered three dispersed sites. While the site is mostly abandoned, a little bit are now used by Defence Digital. RAF Rudlow Manor is also known as Britain's Area 51. Since declassified secrets filed, released at the National Archives, indicated the site was the Centre for UFO Investigations in the 1950s. The wider site continued as both a communications hub for some various administrative units. Number one, Signals Unit was established to manage all UK terrestrial communications infrastructure for the RAF. With the launch of the UK Satellite Communication System, Skynet, yes, Skynet, in the 1960s, the site of the Controller of Defence Communications Network, CDCN, was established. The Spacecraft Operations Centre was established by 1001 Signals Unit, the Spacecraft Operations Organisation, on a small enclave within the site known as Hawthorne. An article written for NetflixLife.com by Ancient Aliens is Rudlow Manor, the British equivalent of America's Roswell. Tucked away in a remote English countryside is a manor built in 1685. Rumours report that within Rudlow Manor hides the remains of an alien spacecraft and its pilot. Could this be Britain's main point of contact for extraterrestrials? 
On the outside, Rudlow Manor just looks like any other old English manor. Old, very nice, you know, dated. A lot of people probably didn't even know it's there, whereas a lot of other manors, people do know they're there. However, it does have a network of underground tunnels. The tunnels were created during the 1930s when Rudlow's quarry was mined for bath stone. But the thing is, those tunnels are huge. Not as in the actual tunnels are huge themselves. The network of tunnels is massive. It's a virtual community down there. They've got this old manor house and a huge network of tunnels down underneath the ground. But also, they've got loads and loads of sort of hangars and big spaces where aircraft of certain shapes and sizes, I suppose, um, can be uh, could be stored. I unfortunately haven't been down there myself yet. It's quite a long drive away. Uh, but I have seen videos on YouTube. You can check them out as well. There are videos on YouTube of people who've gone down there to have a look at Rudlow Manor, just like the people at Area 51. You know, they pop over there sometimes to have a little look. Now, I'm not advising anybody at all to go down there to have a little look or to get too close. Strangely, for a place that is not used as much anymore, it does have a quite high military police uh, presence. Everyone that's gone in there, uh, you'll see on the videos, most people that's gone in there have been turned away by the police. Now, why is that? If they're not actually going in to the manor or into the grounds, why are they being turned away? It's very strange. On investigation using Google Maps, though, you will notice that there is a railway tunnel that goes underneath the uh, the site for where Rudlow Manor is. Upon closer investigation of those maps, you will notice that there is a bit of the line that comes away off the main line, goes into, a, I think, like a sort of separate tunnel. It looks, from, from above anyway, like a separate tunnel. So I had a look on another railway maps um, website called railmaponline.com, and interestingly it shows a little sort of network of railway in there, all underground. Why would they have that? It's called Box Tunnel, and if you look for the Box Tunnel East Portal, either on Google Maps or Rail Map Online, you, you'll be able to see what I mean. The main line goes straight on down to Bath, while the other line juts off, goes into the tunnel, ends up underneath a roundabout, but also there's a branch that goes off to Paddock Lane, which is in the area near the Corsham Computer Centre, as well as a, a small building near, I think that's Pickeridge Drive, which is in the area, not too far away from the Manor House, but of course, don't forget, all connected by the underground tunnelling system. Given that, I suppose, the RAF and all the, uh, I don't know, the armed forces would have their own sort of vehicle, why do they have access to a railway line, especially a main line railway line. Supplies could quite easily be brought in by road, I would have imagined. Or is it so that things could be worked on and whisked away without anybody above ground ever knowing about it? It is all very intriguing, and like I said, this is the first time that I've sort of really got to know about Rudlow Manor but I think there's quite a bit there to, to, well, I think there's more there than meets the eye. 
any information that you may have on it, of course, please be careful, but please do send it to me, UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. I would be very interested uh, to read it. Thank you very much for that. Next, did Winston Churchill order UFO cover-up? National Archives say they do. The BBC News article dated 5th of August 2010. The government took the threat of UFOs so seriously in the 1950s that the UK intelligence chiefs met to discuss the issue. New release, newly released files show. Ministers even went on to commission weekly reports on UFO sightings from a committee of intelligence experts. The papers also include a wartime account claiming Prime Minister Winston Churchill ordered a UFO sighting to be kept secret to prevent mass panic. The files show reports of UFOs peaked in 1996 when The X-Files was popular. The Joint Intelligence Committee is better known for providing briefings to the government on matters relating to security, defence and foreign affairs. But the latest batch of UFO released files from the Ministry of Defence, remember this is 2010, to the National Archives show that in 1957 the committee received reports detailing an average of one UFO sighting a week. The files also include an account of wartime meeting uh, attended by Winston Churchill in which it is claimed the Prime Minister was so concerned about the reported encounter between a UFO and a RAF bomber that he ordered it to be kept secret for at least 50 years to prevent mass panic. Nick Pope, the only person that seems to be wheeled out for every single article to do with UFOs, has said the interesting thing is that most of the UFO files from that period have been destroyed. But what happened is that a scientist whose grandfather was one of Churchill's bodyguards said, look, Churchill and Eisenhower got together to cover up this phenomenal UFO sighting that was witnessed by an RAF crew on their way back from a bombing raid. The reason apparently was because Churchill believed it would cause mass panic and it would shatter people's religious views. Reports of sightings of UFOs peaked in 1996 in the UK when the science fiction drama The X-Files was popular. According to the files, there were more than 600 reports in 1996 compared with an average of 240 in the previous five years. The figures for 1996 show 609 reported sightings of unidentified flying objects. 343 letters from the public to the MOD's UFO desk and 22 inquiries and questions from MPs. But by 2009, the MOD's UFO inquiry desk had closed down. The 18 files released on Thursday are the latest to come out as part of a three-year project between the Ministry of Defence and the National Archives. I think I've mentioned that before somewhere. Dr. David Clark, a UFO consultant to the National Archives, explained why the papers are being made public now. Dr. Clark told the BBC, since the Freedom of Information Act arrived in 2005, this subject, UFOs, has become the third most popular subject for people to write to the Ministry of Defence saying, 
please could you release this file or papers that you hold on this particular case. What they've decided to do is to be totally open and say, look, we're not holding any secrets back about this subject. We've got all these files and we're going to make them available to the public. One includes details on the aerial phenomena prepared for a meeting in the Cabinet's Office Joint Intelligence Committee in April 1957. According to a note included in the Red Book, the Weekly Intelligence Survey, four incidents involving UFOs tracked by RAF radars were unexplained. The documents also include reports of famous incidents dubbed the Welsh Roswell. Other cases included in the files are a near miss with an unidentified object reported by the captain and the first officer of a 737 plane approaching Manchester Airport in 1995. A mountain rescue team called to investigate a crashed UFO in the Berwyn Mountains in 1974. Attempted break-ins at RAF Rodman Manor in Wiltshire, sometimes referred to as Britain's Area 51, the US's secretive, uh, secretive desert military base. The Western Isles incident, when a loud explosion was reported over the sky, over the, in the sky over the Atlantic in the Outer Hebrides. The 14 minutes of missing film relating to the Blue Streak missile test launch in 1964, believed by some to show a spaceman. And the last one, a gambler from Leeds who held a 100 to 1 bet on alien life being discovered before the end of the 20th century and who approached the government for evidence to support his claim after bookmakers refused to pay out. The MOD said it was open-minded about extraterrestrial life but had no evidence of its existence. The files come from more than 5,000 pages of UFO reports and letters and drawings from members of the public as well as questions raised by MPs in Parliament. With the civilian population haunted by the Blitz and the Second World War still in the balance, it was one of development Winston Churchill could have done without, an incursion into British airspace by an arrow-shaped metallic object feared to contain an invasion force of little green men. Probably not green or little. Such was the sensitivity of an alleged UFO sighting by an RAF bomber crew returning to England from a mission over Germany that Churchill ordered it to be covered up with the words This event should be immediately classified since it would create mass panic amongst the general population and destroy one's belief in the church. This, at least, was the allegation put to Ministry of Defence by relatives of a senior British military aide who claimed to have witnessed the cigar-chomping Prime Minister discuss the incident with General Dwight Eisenhower as part of a meeting about succession of Foo Fighter sightings by Allied aircrews in the Second World War. The term Foo Fighter was used by, alien, by Allied aircraft pilots during World War II to describe various UFOs or mysterious aerial phenomena seen in the skies above the European and the Pacific theatres of operations. Now, given that uh, Churchill said that it would create mass panic amongst the general population and destroy one's belief in the church, 
given that I think people's belief in in religion has gone down quite a lot since the 1940s. Does that point still exist? If people saw aliens, if the mass population saw UFOs, I mean, for real, landing on the White House lawn or in Trafalgar Square or something, would it destroy one's belief in the church? If people don't have belief in the church, what is there to destroy? And as I alluded to in an earlier episode, who is to say that God or a religious uh, being, religious figure, didn't create these other beings anyway? It's a huge possibility, I think. But, like uh, like the article says, given that this was in the 1940s and in the middle of the war, last thing that Churchill would have wanted is more panic, more what-ifs, more unsureness, more threats to national security that they probably couldn't deal with. And, of course, he was right to think what that would do if it was false or even not false. What would it do to national morale? during the war. 1997 was to see one of the most historic celestial events in human history, and that was the passing of the comet Hale-Bopp. Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp discovered comet Hale-Bopp, named after them of course, separately on the 23rd of July 1995, before it became visible to the naked eye. It is difficult to predict the maximum brightness of new comets with any degree of certainty, but Hale-Bopp met and exceeded most predictions when it passed Perhelion in April the 1st, 1997, reaching about magnitude of 1.8, sorry, minus 1.8. It was visible to the naked eye for a record 18 months. I remember seeing it myself. That was twice as long as the Great Comet of 1811, the previous record holder. Accordingly, Hale-Bopp was dubbed the Great Comet of 1997. In November 1996, amateur astronomer Chuck Schramek of Houston, Texas, took a CCD image of the comet which showed a fuzzy, slightly elongated object nearby. His computer sky viewing program did not identify the star, so Shramek called Art Bell radio program, Coast to Coast AM, to announce that he had discovered a Saturn-like object following Hale-Bopp. UFO enthusiasts, such as remote viewing proponent and Emory University political science professor Courtney Brown, soon concluded that there was an alien spacecraft following this comet. Several astronomers stated that the object was simply the 8.5 magnitude star SAO141894, including Alan Hale. They noted that the star did not appear on Shramek's computer because the, the user preference was set incorrectly. Art Bell claimed to have obtained an image of the object from an anonymous astrophysicist who was about to confirm its discovery. However, astronomers Olivia Hainaut and David Tolan of the University of Hawaii stated that the alleged photo was an altered copy of one of their own comet images. 
39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult committed mass suicide in March 97 with the intention of teleporting to a spaceship they believed was flying behind the comet. Nancy Lader, who claims to receive messages from aliens through an implant in her brain, stated that Halebot was a fiction designed to distract the population from the coming arrival of Nibiru, or Planet X, a giant planet whose close passage would disrupt Earth's rotation, causing global cataclysm. Her original date for the apocalypse was May 2003. It seems to have not happened, or be a bit late. May 2003 passed without incident, but various conspiracy websites continued to predict the coming of Nibiru, most of whom tied it to the 2012 phenomenon. Well, guess what? 2012 has been and gone as well. Later, and other claims of the planet Nibiru have been repeatedly debunked by scientists. But it was during the passing of the Hale-Bopp, 24th of March 1997, at 2200 hours 10 o'clock, on the dark peak Howden Moor, two sonic booms were heard over the area and recorded at this time, although the RAF have denied using supersonic aircraft in the area. They later helped in the night-long search for crashed aircraft, using helicopters and sniffer dogs from the police with 150 mountain rescue volunteers, no wreckage was found. A triangle-shaped UFO had been seen an hour before the sonic booms in the area. Many people reported the triangular-shaped UFO, and they think that it was chased off by RAF jets. Just like the incident in the Berwyn Mountains, they think that the UFO had crashed onto the moor, Howden Moor and that the security services had come and taken it away. Who knows, maybe to Rudlow Manor, maybe somewhere else. But they believe fully that it is being hidden away somewhere. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. What do you believe? Cover-ups? Are they real? Are things being covered up? Or are they not? Is there nothing out there? Is there nothing out there that's coming to Earth and, I don't know, crashing? Rudlow Manor, Area 51, are they, are they just there doing normal things or are they there doing uh, other things, contacting space aliens, contacting UFOs? Are they you know, keeping an eye on the UFOs? What is going on? To my mind, I think there is a lot of things that are going on that they are not telling us about. Of course, you can understand for national security, they're not going to tell about this or about that. But personally, I think... I think the time is getting closer. I think the human race is much more ready now for disclosure than it has ever been. That's my opinion. Please tell me about yours. Uh, email me again. Email me about your stories, your thoughts on the show, UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com, UFOs and other paranormal stuff on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, and UFOs and OPS on Twitter. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, it's Halloween on Sunday. So before Sunday, there will be another special episode coming out. Uh, don't forget to email me your spooky stories for Halloween if you have any. In the meantime, if you would like to make a donation to the show, which would be greatly appreciated, 
very much appreciated by myself, then don't forget it's at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. Thank you very much for listening in. I will see you very, very soon. Take care. And ladies and gentlemen, keep an open mind and stay safe.